Excuse me. 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 Hello, everybody, and welcome to Morgan Dorks. This is a bi-weekly Daria podcast where we take an in-depth look at our favorite animated teenage misanthrope episode by episode. I'm Rob Press. And I'm Nissa Lee. And today we are looking at Season 5, Episode 2, Sappy Anniversary, in which Tom and Daria's six-month anniversary approaches, but Daria's a little concerned that Tom doesn't seem to notice. Also, Jake gets a job at a dot-com. Hi, Jinx Ahoy! (laughs) (laughs) The episode aired on February 26, 2001, and was written by Annie D. Bernstein. Bernstein has maybe the most wild spread of any Daria writers on our episode rankings. Her episodes currently sit at 53, 23, 2, 35, 20, and 41. Her lowest-ranked episode was The Invitation, and rightfully so, and her (laughs) highest-ranked episode was The Road Warrior, one of my favorites. (laughs) Yeah, also rightfully so. Yes. (laughs) Um, So yeah, kind of buck wild. I'll be totally honest. I was not looking forward to covering this episode, like part of... Part of what ended up, part of what ended up with us missing a week last week was I was staring at the episode notes for this thing and just like I I couldn't do it. (laughs) (laughs) I just didn't have it in me, and you know, life and fatigue and all sorts of shit gets in the way. Um, I think we we definitely needed that week off, but I I don't think that the winter doldrums have really passed, (laughs) at least for me. But. At least we we got a few a few more days of sleep. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that was that was pretty helpful. Um, but I got to say, I actually really enjoyed this episode. Interesting. <laughs> I'm looking forward to talking about it. Are you looking forward to me crushing your dreams? <laughs> I mean, at this point, I'm used to it. So. <laughs> <laughs> I love you, friend. <laughs> I love you too. <laughs> Uh, all right. You know, we should probably get into our beat by beat. Yes, we should. So we open at the Morgendorfer house where there's a knock at the door. Daria answers to find a delivery guy carrying a giant bushel of flowers. They're for Quinn, who has laid out an enormous spread of gifts in the kitchen. Daria inquires, and Quinn reveals the gifts seem to have come all from the three J's, each celebrating some form of extremely benign anniversary. Quinn points out that guys acknowledging anniversaries is how you know they care. She then rather pointedly asks when Daria and Tom started dating, and Daria seems eager to avoid that one. Quinn works out that this week marks six months, and asks how they plan to celebrate, and Daria's got nothing. That evening, the Morgendorfers are having dinner. Jake's reading the paper and notices Helen has pre-circled some of the Help Wanted ads. She says she's trying to support his move into something new and challenging. He insists that he's his own business and will never work for someone else again, right up until he spots an ad for an iStartup looking for a dot-com expert to fill a media leadership position. Helen points out that A, Jake doesn't know anything about the internet, and B, the salary is a total joke. Jake's jazzed about the opportunity, and it seems that nothing's going to stop him. Oh, boy. 
Let's start at the top, shall we? Yes. Yeah. I <laughs> I am probably going to say a number of times throughout this beat by beat, but uh, Anne Bernstein is absolutely on fire in terms of just like quotable, quotable snippets in this episode. And I think the first one that gets us is all that matters in a relationship is that you like the same pizza toppings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> uh, and also in that scene, maybe it's just that like Quinn is in her wheelhouse when she's talking about dating, but I really enjoy the back and forth in that opening scene. Like Quinn is in control of that conversation from the jump. She's guiding it. She's needling Daria in some like pretty slick ways, which included saying uh, very casually just slipping in like, let's say we ignore the incidents of sleazy backstabbing, which means- Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) That was an amazing line. Um, (laughs) And the fact that she has stored all of this information about like when Daria started her relationship, when maybe Daria hasn't, is, is pretty adorable, like a pretty awesome kid sister, but also a little disturbing. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. I, I also like her line um, when when Daria says we well, should make it a national holiday or something like that, and and she goes, "Well, what's the point if there's no school that day?" <laughs> <laughs> Prime Quinn. <laughs> yeah. So I'm telling. It's immediately in this episode. Everybody is so on. It's so good. But yeah, I I enjoy seeing that sort of. It's such a neat little power dynamic between <laughs> between Quinn and Daria. Now that you know Daria is venturing into this world that Quinn knows so much more about than than uh, Daria does. Yeah, that most everybody knows something about, except for Daria. <laughs> yeah. And we'll we'll talk about that uh, in a little bit throughout this episode. There's uh, there's some vulnerability bit. there. Yeah. Um, and then we move on to the. Uh, the ta- the dinner table scene or breakfast table scene, you know, whichever table it is, maybe they have several. <laughs> um, <laughs> and and uh, Jake is looking at the newspaper and it just made me think like, oh, do you remember when you had to look in the newspaper for job openings? <laughs> Man, it seems like it's, it's such a- times. <laughs> both simpler and more complex (laughs) yes but but yeah it is such a neat little relic and i think it's hilarious that jake finds this particular ad in of all places the newspaper like Mm -hmm. this dot com this i startup that's looking for its super engaged and highly online internet you know media manager has put a help wanted ad in the newspaper in the, it's the Lawndale. Is it the Lawndale Times or is it something? I can't remember what it's called. Oh, I can't remember what it's called either. I want to say it's like the Lawndale Gazette or something like that. That uh-huh. can't be right though. But yeah, it's interesting strategy on their part. And it ends up working out just not quite in the way they expected, I guess. Yeah. Well, if you're going to um, put an ad in the paper for for this job, then you're going to get Jake. <laughs> so they had an audience of one and God damn it. They nailed it. Uh, we we're probably just going to like sprinkle cultural context throughout this week's episode, but according to some quick Googling, it took about 10 months to produce each episode of Daria, which is kind of crazy when you think about how the show had to stay involved with pop culture. But that means that this episode, 
would have started production right around March 2000, which was the peak of the dot-com bubble, which was a period in which investor optimism for the potential of internet-based and internet-related companies, uh, prodded by the internet's explosion in popularity, uh, drove stock prices absolutely through the roof. The stock market rose 400% over the late 90s, only to lose nearly 80% of its value between March 2000 and October 2002, a.k.a pretty much when this episode was being produced. It was already so dropping sharply. it worked sharply. out in their favor. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's, it's just something, it was a neat little coincidence that it, that it worked out for them. Like It was already dropping sharply by the time this episode aired. You know, it's actually surprising to me that we haven't brought up how long it took to produce one of these shows in any of our other episodes. <laughs> I think we have casually speculated uh-huh. or like we've mentioned like hey we're not we're not sure how long it takes to make one of these episodes or something like that i think we've mentioned that a few times and it's just never one of those things i think to look up like when i'm looking up stuff and and it was quick googling for you huh oh yeah it was immediate <laughs> if you just, it's just google like how long did it take to make an episode of daria the answer is like right there it's 10 months <laughs> thank you google <laughs> seriously over at tom's palatial estate he and daria are on the couch watching television Daria asks if Tom wants to do anything special tonight, and Tom says he's fine just hanging out. She's obviously trying to prod him in the direction of going on a proper date, but he's not picking up on it, and she's a little frustrated. Uh, So we talk a lot about vulnerability on this show, and some of where I get looking for vulnerability from is uh, from writer, podcaster, and educator, Lonnie Diane Rich. Uh, And one of the things she notes is that there are four primary sources of a character's vulnerability, and those are love, fear, shame, and identity. And we are arguably hitting all four (laughs) with Daria in this scene on the couch. We definitely hit all four throughout the episode. Oh, yeah. Definitely. And I think one of the more interesting ones here are the shame and identity for Daria. Like Daria is um is is struggling with her like persona of not caring. <laughs> yes. And, and you know, the typical, you know, person in a relationship who does care you know she's feeling that and so like she is is, her her identity is being challenged and she feels some shame in that as well and being normal Uh, it's very very interesting um tom's response to daria's suggestion that they go on a normal date is is like absolutely cringeworthy (laughs) he says normal dates are for normal people or normal dates are for people with no imagination um and he says that while he's just sitting there watching TV and putting absolutely no thought into the time they spend together. <laughs> yeah. And, I mean, maybe that is enough sometimes, but I mean, no. <laughs> you, it, he, he says, like, remember when we went to the pharmacy and read the the greeting cards like that was fun or you know whatever um and well you're not doing that right now buddy (laughs) (laughs) Um, it's one of one of many one of many different pieces of this episode that make me again super rethink my my prior support of tom as a character 
Yeah. I mean, there are things that he does in this episode that I like. Um, yeah. But yeah, <laughs> I'm going to voice my opinion throughout. So anyway, on the flip side, uh, Daria needs to be direct if she wants something like this is, you know, both of both of them are <laughs> are having problems here. Um, so yes. she needs to be direct if she wants anything, whether that's a date for the hell of it or recognition of an anniversary. Like I know that six month anniversaries are a thing in high school because time is measured by the school bell and six months seems like an eternity, but it might not be a thing for Tom and he's going to assume it's not a thing for her because he's an ass. So she <laughs> needs to say something. <laughs> yeah. There it's a it's just a lack of communication. And the fact that it is entirely a lack of communication that leads to the conflict is kind of kind of a bummer because that is you know we and we'll again we'll talk about this later but that is just some of the it's some of the weakest ways or it's one of the weakest ways to create conflict between two characters is to just not have them talk even yeah. though they occupy the same space all the time they hang out constantly and yet you know it's just this one thing that they have decided arbitrarily not to talk about um I do think they I do think that it winds into Daria's character pretty well uh over the course of the episode because again like we were just talking about like you know she there is a sense of shame for her like to even to be to even be considering this stuff and you know she's she's putting herself out there there's fear there it's it's a whole bunch of reasons where like you can kind of understand why she's dancing around it but it's also extremely frustrating to watch this person who is normally normally does not have much trouble speaking up, uh, just totally fail to speak up. Right. You know, right. In this instance. I mean, it's not like it doesn't happen. And this is a point that we we hit on a lot when we talk about this type of conflict. <laughs> that, you know, it's a conflict that exists because it exists in real life. But <laughs> as far as storytelling is concerned, uh, yeah, some sometimes it's difficult. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Difficult to uh, to watch. Also, you know, there's the fact that we are not the teenage audience that it's it's targeting, you know. Very true. Yeah. So, like we have more experience in that realm and <laughs> and we're going to be more frustrated by it whereas you know the teenage audience is going to be like oh yeah this is this is totally what happens and people don't talk to each other all the time which is why you know we continue to have problems <laughs> right Te teenage audience not entirely likely to say that the most important aspect of a relationship is communication <laughs> Uh, over in a fancy-ass restaurant, Jake meets with Noah Barkman, president of BuzzDome.com. He is the late 90s. He's a 24-year-old guy who has more money than he knows what to do with because investors have gone batshit at the very idea of his company. It's pretty clear Jake has positively no idea what the hell these folks do, but in a moment of rather stunning competence, he manages to impress Noah and ends up getting the gig. Uh, I am just... Starstruck by Noah. <laughs> <laughs> the hair. 
hair, the glasses, the way he flips his chair around in a fancy restaurant. Ah, yes. Uh, And also his turtleneck covers the entirety of his neck, like all the way up the back. (laughs) (laughs) It's amazing. (laughs) It's it's just incredible. I mean... (laughs) We recognize this character type, but yes. it's it it's still entertaining. <laughs> it absolutely is. He's so like this is such a time capsule character design. <laughs> it's yes. you can pinpoint like the exact year that that this guy hit the scene, and and you would think that Jake would. At least we would hope that Jake recognized would recognize it and run, right? Yeah. <laughs> but especially after he learns that the the opportunity for stock offerings is passed, because that was the thing that he was telling Helen is, you know, right. What, that was the that was the big deal. Yeah, that was the draw. Um, but but then he's he's learned it's past and and he learns that there's like 80 hour work weeks and i expected him to just get up and leave but then i remembered that <laughs> that Jake desperately wants to be cool so here we are yeah yeah um it is it's kind of remarkable that he he senses exactly what this guy is looking for and just kind of nails it you see that sort of spark of like yeah, a spark of competence is really fun to watch in Jake, and he does. He says nothing. He says absolutely nothing to this guy, but he still manages to package it in a way that uh, ends up being, you know, worth said guy's approval. That's um, his his years of experience as a consultant. Yeah. <laughs> um, I again, I just I want to point out how confidently that Bernstein is moving through this episode. Like she's nailing every single character, even this Noah Barkman fellow. Like his, you know, we're basically introduced to him with, "What are your thoughts about how clickstream convergence impacts brand width exploitation?" And that's a is nonsense. It brand width, or he says brand width. Wow, <laughs> not bandwidth, but brand width. Brand okay. width. Yes, I was. I've had to check that two or three times. <laughs> um, that's a nonsense sentence, even in the dot-com bubble era. None of it means a goddamn thing. Um, and we're meant to be baffled by it, just as Jake is. And it totally works. Like It's a great job by Bernstein to, to you know, hit, that, hit that note perfectly. Mm-hmm. And then Jake's able to spit nonsense right back, and it's icing on the cake. I don't know. I, I love it. I can't help it. You also might be tempted to think that buzzdome.com is a dig on BuzzFeed, but BuzzFeed wouldn't be found for another five and a half years after this episode aired. Huh. Yeah. Interesting. I wonder why BuzzDome then? I don't know, but it sounds it sounds dot-com-y as hell. So. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely does. <laughs> I liked their um their office later on where where it opens on just like the sign that has buzzdome.com over and over again and then just yes. one of them is circled <laughs> yes it was it's so 90s it's such a perfect late 90s early 2000s design aesthetic it's so good yep. um and it's got that like serif like typewriter font kind of you know that, that like courier new almost uh, yeah it's great Oh, one last thing before we move on. Apparently, uh, kombucha was hip back in 2001. I had no idea. 
Yeah. <laughs> it's been around longer than we thought. Yeah. Well, <laughs> at least, you know, the popular. Ah, uh, yes, yes. I don't know. <laughs> but no, no I, I've never been hip, so I don't know. Oh, same. <laughs> we, we are lacking. <laughs> I've never had kombucha. I have no idea. I don't know what it is. I don't know. I mean, I know it's a drink. No, <laughs> I've, about it. I've never had it either. I'm pretty sure my brother makes it. I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah. Oh. All right. That's I that's the assignment. One of us has to try kombucha like sometime between now and next episode. It's the stuff, right? It's the fermented tea? I believe, yes. I believe it is fermented tea. I could yeah. be wrong about that. I but. think my brother makes it. <laughs> I, I think that might be his... Um, you know his pandemic thing. He's making kombucha. I mean, he also had a baby, so like that's also his uh, pandemic thing. So. Oh, okay. Yeah, <laughs> keeps you busy. <laughs> wow. Uh-huh. <laughs> I I have to, I can't do anything with that. I have to move on. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh. <laughs> at the Lane residence, Daria is hanging out. And Jane's working on a piece of art. She's looking to call either Exploding Kiln Number One or Pottery Blam, the latter of which is my new favorite combination of words in the English language. Daria is clearly distracted. Uh, Jane asks, "What up?" What? <laughs> Jane asks, "What's up?" And <laughs> what up? Jane asks, "What up?" And we get the following exchange: Out with it, Morgendorfer. What's wrong? Well. It's, uh, Tom. My ex, you're current. This is slightly uncomfortable, but how can I resist? Go on. He treats me more like a piece of furniture than his girlfriend. I know I shouldn't care whether or not he gives me presents or remembers our anniversary, but I think I do. And then I hate myself for caring. I can't say anything because then he'll know I care and it won't be the same as if he thought of it himself and, oh, God, listen to me. Wow, you sound almost human. <sighs> There's some really good lines there. My there ex, are. your current, slightly uncomfortable. How can I resist? Go on. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah. And and what it does is like it gets everyone up to speed. It just in case they haven't been around. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's a it's a three second primer on what the hell's happening here. Absolutely perfect. Um, Jane points out that Tom didn't really take her anywhere either, uh, except for all those times that he totally did. And just like that, the conversation gets away from Jane Lane, best friend. Mm-hmm. Whoops. Yeah. <laughs> Whoops, indeed. <laughs> yeah. Bernstein is just crushing it. Like it, it's this conversation just moves. It's great. It's, it's rapid fire. It's almost got this like Gilmore Girls feel to it. Like, yeah. Yeah. It really does. Um, and pottery blam. Yes, pottery blam is is unbelievably good. <laughs> is there a conversation that walks a thinner tightrope than the one between the current partner and the ex partner? <laughs> like I've been on both sides of that discussion, and it has never felt like anything other than a tango through a minefield. Yeah, you just avoid it. <laughs> yeah, just stay away from it as best you can. Yeah, absolutely. It it is. Uh, <laughs> I mean, the fact that they are friends is a miracle. <laughs> yes. So we're we're just you know along for the ride at this point. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was it was there it it was a rough patch. Like there there was some ugliness that got us from where we were to where we are, 
and it is great to see them be able to just like sit down and talk about things and mm-hmm. like you know discuss it in a way that doesn't involve any sort of awkwardness or or uh you know difficulty any sort of awkwardness well, really okay <laughs> i mean all right hostility a, a little, hostility <laughs> okay hostility yeah but awkwardness oh no that, that awkwardness is it's very awkward yeah uh, <laughs> Um, I I love listening to Daria's train of thought in uh, in this scene because, as I said before, you know she's struggling because she's discovered that being in a relationship is not always compatible with the persona she has so carefully crafted. Um, if she shows she actually does care about normal relationship stuff, she is you know, as you said before, showing vulnerability because Tom likes a girl that doesn't care, right? So right. so what happens when that's not true anymore? Um, you know, this all normal relationship stuff. People are complicated. <laughs> you know, nothing is fixed. And, you know, it's just cool to watch Daria <laughs> experience this truth for the first time. Yeah. I think that's a that's such a great way to put it is that just like being in a relationship with someone is just not compatible <laughs> with this persona that she has. Um, you know, we we've seen kind of similar, definitely not the same, but similar conflict in like the misery chick where, you know, if I show people that I care about this, does that suddenly mean that I'm not the person that I thought I that I thought I was or the person that they thought I was? Do I care that I'm the person that I'm not the person they thought I was? Yeah, um, but I think it's a little different because here she kind of surprises herself about caring, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and that's neat. That's such a great little wrinkle. Like it's again, we um you know, I talked earlier about how this is not Daria's wheelhouse. And there's a lot of fun there <laughs> because it's fun to watch her figure this stuff out. Like you said, mm-hmm. um, I don't know. It, it's it's well done. I don't know. I appreciate it. Uh, over at Buzzdome, Jake's getting to know the place. It is exactly what you think it is. It's got that really awesome sign we were talking about. It's just great. Uh, his coworkers are a wide array of young folks with job titles that range from keyword infused to outright intentionally vague. And of course, there's an open floor plan. Yes. Ugh, God almighty. One of the folks at BuzzDome mentions uh, comparing FreeBSD and Linux. I know exactly enough to tell you that this is a legitimate thing. Uh, and it is not the sort of nonsense that Noah was spewing earlier. But beyond that, I'm completely clueless. Yeah. <laughs> I I don't understand most of what they're saying, but I did have to laugh at the one employee saying that his desk is the one with the giant inflatable palm tree because I've totally been in an office that has had that. <laughs> so good. Amazing. Uh, that night at the Morgendorfer stronghold, Daria is sitting on the couch while Tom lays with his head propped up on her lap. He mentions that she's pretty comfortable, and Daria can't help but think back to the furniture comparison she made earlier. We get a pretty funny little bit of fantasy with moderately disturbing imagery of Daria as an actual recliner as we go to commercial and end Act 1. Moderately disturbing. It's so distressing. <laughs> yeah, it's it's like Cronenbergian. <laughs> oh, it's a gray house with the dead potted plant and Daria's the only piece of furniture in the place and, and she just falls over when he walks away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. It's brutal. A little bit of body horror there for you. Totally. 
so Act 2 opens at Buzz Dome, where Jake is making himself at home, kind of. He finds out about free catered lunch and is on the way there with his co-worker Samir when he stops and asks exactly what the hell this company does. Samir does not have an answer, but he makes a lot of money to sit around and daydream, so he's not about to screw around with that. Uh, in the lunchroom, Jake's lack of expertise on the internet becomes more and more apparent as his co-workers continue to make reference after reference that all go right over his head. Um, Jake's co-worker Jacqueline makes mention of the latest version of Flash, which only just recently became a fully outdated reference. <laughs> um, Macromedia and later Adobe Flash is a multimedia software platform that absolutely dominated the internet from the late 90s all the way up to around the mid-2010s when HTML5 was introduced. Um, it's renowned for both having revolutionized the way the internet was consumed and being an enormously fickle pain in the ass for literally its entire goddamn run. Uh, that run ended just a month ago with a final update from Adobe that basically disabled Flash entirely. And hallelujah for that. Yes. Um, there's also mention of Java, which is, of course, a programming language still hanging in there. I think the first version of Minecraft was made in Java. Uh, and HyperCard, a software development kit for the Apple computers in the late 80s and early 90s. I didn't know about HyperCard. Yeah, I, I, that's that's something I had not heard of before. Uh, I will note, you know, for, for all the silliness that's like flying around and all the references there being made... Um, I think it's Samir who says that Jake's as funny as a case-sensitive search engine. <laughs> that that tickled me. I don't know. Yeah, it it was really good. Honestly, it's a pretty good burn. I, I'm I'm so glad to see that in the midst of what seems like a ridiculously convoluted business and yeah, a ridiculously convoluted business enterprise, like we get a lunchroom scene with workers that actually know their shit. <laughs> yeah. So it's it's a nice balance. <laughs> Uh, that night, Jake's at the kitchen table on a laptop trying to understand how this shit works. Daria's looking over his shoulder and helping him out, kind of. <laughs> the following morning, Tom arrives at Casa Morgendorfer. Uh, Quinn answers the door and proceeds to be absolutely awesome for a bit. We're going to go ahead and play that clip. Oh, hello. Hi, Quinn. Is Daria home? Possibly, or she might have gone out. I don't remember. Can you check? <laughs> Whom shall I say is calling? Tom? Oh, right. Sometimes things just slip my mind, like <laughs> names or what day it is. It's Tuesday. So that <laughs> make the day after, the day after tomorrow. Tom, what are you doing here? Oh, Daria, you're back. I left your many messages on the refrigerator. I wrote them down in case I forgot. Just trying to help. <laughs> That's a long clip. I don't care. I love it. Quinn's being such a good sister. Yeah, and she's, she is. She's doing it in exactly the way that Quinn would. Yeah, it's amazing. Uh, also, I got to give some props to Tom's delivery of It's Tuesday. <laughs> it's, it's very well done. The next day, Jake's at work and crushing it, kind of. He's taken to the internet like a duck to water and Noah's impressed. Noah talks about his excitement for the grind when he was originally building Buzz Dome. We need code through the night fueled by nothing but chocolate-covered coffee beans. He tosses a bag of said beans to Jake and wanders off, unaware that he's just thrown a lit match into a powder keg. We see the results of it a few hours later, as Jake sits alone in the empty and unlit office, absolutely out of his mind on caffeine and freaking out. He ends up destroying his computer in the process. The glow of... The computer screen on Jake's face and his caffeine shutter. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. I'm we, feeling it. <laughs> yeah, we we have all been there. <laughs> and along those lines, it's not prescient per se, since we kind of saw this coming in the late 90s, early 2000s, but kudos to Bernstein for zeroing in on Jake's inevitable discovery of the gift and curse of the internet. It holds near limitless potential for the sharing of knowledge and experience, but it's also a fire hose of anxiety pointed right at your face. But there's also the panda cam, so... There's also the panda cam. <laughs> I am... I. Most of the browsing on Facebook I do now is of the like four or five different raccoon groups I'm a part of. You're part of raccoon groups. I'm part of raccoon groups. So the the internet uh, in its in its wisdom has shown me that apparently everyone on the planet has a pet raccoon except for me, and hmm. I feel I feel left out. I I don't think this is true. <laughs> I look, I am saying that based on the limited sample size that I have have noticed uh-huh, in uh-huh. in in this group of mostly nothing but raccoon owners that a uh-huh. lot of people seem to own raccoons. Yeah, yeah. And I can see how you might think that. <laughs> yeah. And I got to say they're adorable. They're little hands and they're little masks and they're always getting into mischief because they're wild animals and they probably shouldn't be kept indoors. Mhm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. It's yeah. it's all very entertaining. So if you got a raccoon as a pet, would you keep it indoors? Uh, I guess I, I guess I would, but that wouldn't mm. be right. It would no, also no. lead to the destruction of many of my things. Yeah, and your cat probably wouldn't appreciate it. I you know, yeah, probably not. Mm, yeah. I'm uh, just mm. being a good friend <laughs> here. That's that's all. <laughs> I appreciate that, but yeah, I don't yeah. Know. I'm going to keep tossing it around a bit. The internet is an amazing place sometimes. <laughs> it really is. Um, it is. Because there's raccoons and doggos. And on Reddit, there is a subreddit called Hydro Homies. It's one of my favorite places. <laughs> of course, that's one of your favorite subreddits. <laughs> It's really absolutely ridiculous and has uh, pretty much all the same content all the time, but <laughs> it, it reminds matter. me to drink some water. So <laughs> That's so good. God damn. Ah, the internet. <laughs> At night in a pretty lovely little park, Tom and Daria are sitting on a bench. He talks about how comfortable he is around her and how he doesn't feel like he has to impress her. Daria's barbs finally land, and the conflict is finally starting to come to the surface. We're going to go ahead and play that clip. I don't want to talk about it. You're mad, but you won't tell me why. Jeez, Daria, you're acting like, I don't know, a typical girl. And you're talking like, I don't know, a sexist guy. I just Mm. meant you're usually different. Oh, that's right. I'm not average. I don't have typical expectations like normal girls. What are you talking about? Nothing. Just forget I said anything. So Tom points out that he can't fix things if he doesn't know what's wrong. Daria refuses to hold his hand through it, and he ends up storming off. That's the end of Act 2, and we go to commercial backed by Everclear's Wonderful. You might have heard me right after Mm -hmm. Tom said you're acting like a typical girl. I can tell you in the episode notes, the only thing I have written after that is one giant long fuck you. Uh (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. What a, you know, shitty thing to say. Yeah. 
it's awesome that Daria immediately threw his threw it back at his face as being sexist. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, I don't know if I would have the um <laughs> you know, I would be able to collect my thoughts enough to throw that back. <laughs> <laughs> But I mean, really, like, it, it's such a shitty thing to say. And I mean, like, God, Tom, like, dating involves people having expectations of you. Like, it, it doesn't have <laughs> anything to do with gender. Like, if you don't want people to expect anything of you, don't date. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, Jesus Christ. Um, all of that said, I do, to some extent, understand Tom's frustration here. It, it, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, I, over and over again, I find myself saying, I get where he's coming from. It's just the way it manifests itself is so shitty <laughs> over <laughs> and over again. Um, and, and like, you know, we, we talked about this a little bit earlier. We know why Daria is not telling Tom what the problem is, um, because she laid it out there for Jane earlier, but all Tom knows is that Daria is pissed and she's dropping vague remarks about expectations and, and this is very much, you know, that that form of conflict where if if these two people would just say like two sentences to each other, <laughs> uh, it would work. Uh, but instead, there's just this, you know, this total lack of of communication. It's so frustrating to watch. It's and it's again, you know, we understand why Daria is acting why she is. We understand why Tom is frustrated, and it's you know. Neither of them are at their best here, I guess yes. is, is worth saying. He's so he's so shitty to her here though. Good lord. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, how do you think we're meant to be reading Daria and Tom right now? Like in like we know how we're actually reading them right now, but like, you know, if you're looking at what the writers are trying to lay out, what do you think they're what do you think we're meant to be thinking about this? I mean, I think, first of all, that we are supposed to be viewing it as like a teenage audience, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, so like we're supposed to be coming at it from that headspace um, in which like this all makes sense. This happens all the time. Um, <laughs> but I, I, I mean, like, yeah, because I think that what's going on here is a thing that happens in relationships, especially when you are young and, uh, you know, you're so high on the dopamine that you assume you've mind melded with your partner. And then, you know, there is this phase of the relationship where you discover that's not actually the case. And, you know, how you adjust to that new reality is the test of your relationship and the ability for you to function in a relationship long term. So Daria and Tom have hit that point in their relationship and they're they're both having a bit of a rough time uh for the different reasons of you know daria because she's not communicating well and tom because he's a dick so <laughs> <laughs> oh, fair yeah <laughs> join me for my new podcast uh dear nissa <laughs> got all the relationship advice for you oh my god i would listen <laughs> uh, act three opens in jake and helen's bedroom where helen is ready for bed and doing some work daria wanders in to ask for some advice which helen assumes is about sex and boy howdy is that an awkward 30 seconds or so daria quick, quickly waves that off and notes it's more about her and tom's six-month anniversary coming up 
starts to say she didn't, ha- she doesn't have any expectations, and Helen interrupts her to say she shouldn't because it's just setting yourself up for disappointment. We then get a glimpse at what we can only assume is one of many of Jake's anniversary-related failures. Still, Helen points out that it really doesn't matter what he buys her or where he takes her. It's just about the fact that they care about one another. Daria then asks, but what if he forgets the anniversary entirely? And Helen's only advice is to show no mercy. Which is an amazing line. <laughs> yes, it's very good. But but there's something that bugs me about this scene. And I think it's the fact that this interaction solidifies the notion that it's the woman in the relationship that cares about anniversaries, particularly, you know, about receiving something for an anniversary. And it's the man in the relationship who bumbles through and never meets expectations. Um, ah, (laughs) We're back to the typical girl comment that Tom made. Um, So I was thinking like, what could be a better way to go about this? So here is my uh, 2021 revision. <laughs> Daria instead talks to her dad about the situation, which makes sense because Jake is the more emotionally demanding one in his relationship. He has mm-hmm. needs. So yeah. let's hear a man talk about the balance of expectations in a relationship. Um, you know, crush the relationship roles of the heteronormative patriarchy. <laughs> yes. I love that. <laughs> In our Daria podcast, we have the line, crush the relationship rules of the heteronormative patriarchy. Yes. <laughs> I I would hope that the writers of the show would look at that as a unvarnished success. <laughs> I think so. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then there's the part of the scene where, of course... <laughs> Helen gives Jake a leather-bound edition of Das Kapital, and Jake (laughs) says, long live the proletariat. I bet this thing will appreciate like crazy. It may be the best line ever. (laughs) It's so good. Um, The the candle that he gives It's terrifying. Uh, It's supposed to be a hobbit. (laughs) It's supposed to be a hobbit. It does not work out that it way. It's just like a brown <laughs> lump of something. I do. I think that idea with uh, Daria going to Jake instead for advice is absolutely fantastic. Um, you know, I, I, I'm always going to appreciate Daria going to Helen for motherly advice. Oh, yeah. Uh, they're great I, scenes. Yeah, yeah. And this is absolutely no exception to that. But I'm not sure Helen really solves anything, you know, for the reasons you stated. And and you know, Daria already knows it doesn't matter what Tom gets her or where he takes her. She's already, you know, she's already there. It's just she's bothered by his complete lack of acknowledgement of the situation. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and she is, of course, assuming that I mean Helen is assuming that Daria and Tom have agreed upon an anniversary when she says show no mercy, right? right. <laughs> um, and as we already kind of mentioned i don't think they have like quinn is the one that has decided when their anniversary is (laughs) (laughs) which is such a lovely little detail yeah (laughs) over at buzz dome the team is making presentations uh it's jake's turn to talk about increasing visibility in the marketplace and he is whiffing hard he drops a bunch of buzzwords and hopes for the best but it isn't working noah points it out and jake loses it He says he's had all this stuff planned out and was ready to rock, but his computer froze and he lost everything. 
He breaks down and things are looking bleak, but then Noah sees an opportunity. He asks if Jake would like to stay on as a consultant, someone to help the BuzzDome team learn what the average end user thinks. Just like that, Jake Morgendorfer Consulting is back in action. Heck yeah. Yeah. You, if, if you're just listening to this and you haven't seen this episode in a while or you've never seen this episode for some reason, you need to go and watch just so you can see Jake's shirt. Flames. <laughs> flames and dice. Dice. Is magnificent. And it's tucked in, <laughs> which I'm pretty sure it shouldn't be. <laughs> uh, nothing's, on the, nothing's off the table when you got a shirt like that. I guess so. <laughs> the world is your oyster. I, I do want to note it. Like we we talked about how you know Noah is like prime, you know prime nineties dot com douchebag in design, uh, and he totally is. But I do think it's important to note that he has actually been anything but. Like this scene in the conference room is a great example of it. He's actually really supportive and really encouraging, and he thinks on his feet to find a perfect role for Jake instead of just like getting rid of him. Um, yeah. I don't know. Absolutely. It's nice. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. And I, you know, I I would love to hate him, but his turtleneck game is just amazing. So, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, how can you hate a man who who can wear a turtleneck all the way up his neck <laughs> until it just disappears into his hair? <laughs> uh, we all would if we could. Uh, <laughs> At Lawndale High, Daria and Jane are walking the hallways. Daria is telling Jane about the fight they had and how she feels like she's at the heart of it because her refusal to talk about what's wrong. While talking, they wander past a few different couples, or in Quinn's case, quadruple, but like not in a sexy way. <laughs> I don't know. It's it's all very complicated. All these couples are in various states of dysfunction. Daria realizes that maybe it's time she actually told Tom what the hell the problem is. She arrives at his palatial estate to the tune of to, to the tune of the one I love by REM. At said palatial estate, Daria very, very reluctantly, and only after Tom does some more shitty prodding, tells Tom the problem. He's forgotten that their six-month anniversary is coming up. She knows because Quinn brought it up. Tom points out that she's mad at him for forgetting something she forgot herself, and Daria says it got her thinking about whether or not he's taking her for granted. Does he actually care about any of this? He says of course he does, it's just he doesn't go in for all the normal celebratory relationship stuff, and he didn't think she did either. Daria mentions Jane, and Tom says he only started taking Jane on romantic dates to try and salvage a failing relationship. But now that he knows it's important to Daria that they celebrate these things, they'll celebrate these things. Daria says it's not important, but they can celebrate anyway. Tom's fine with that, and we appear to have an agreement. Oh boy. A lot happened here. But before we get into it, can we just recognize the fact that Tom's front yard looks like Longwood Gardens. I mean, (laughs) do they charge admission for that place? It's ridiculous. Oh man! Yeah, yeah. For those of you not from the from the immediate New Jersey Philadelphia area, uh, when you think Longwood Gardens, just think like a place with lots of trees that's pretty enough to where they'll charge an arm and a leg just to see it. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and the Christmas lights during oh, the holidays. Yeah. I gotta say, it's pretty nice looking trees. Musical fountains. <laughs> yeah. If you're gonna Ice pay to, if you're gonna pay to see any trees, you should probably pay to see those trees. There's a little like tower castle looking thing. <laughs> oh yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's really pretty. And now they have meadows um, with wildflowers and it's awesome. <laughs> I love I love the same. Now they have meadows. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's not Especially- just like... You know, lawns and and <laughs> and greenhouses. It's like wildlife and bees and butterflies. <laughs> I, I framed it as oh, you get pay, you pay to see a bunch of trees, and you're like, oh, yeah, but now they have meadows. <laughs> <laughs> you pay to see no trees at all. <laughs> uh, trees on the side, you know. <laughs> <laughs> That's what makes it a meadow, and not a plain. Yeah. <laughs> oh Christ! Go to check out Longwood Gardens if you're ever in the New Jersey Philadelphia area. It's pretty yeah. cool. You wrote in here the different things that Tom throws at her to like prod her into finally speaking. Oh yeah, and- distant, cranky, childish. I'm a dick. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, yes, thank you so much for all the adjectives. <laughs> yeah. Yet again, she just like comes right back at him with something, and, that, and that's I very much like seeing that. You know, it's. She doesn't mm-hmm. she doesn't just fold to that crap or let it go either. Like either of those would be frustrating and she's not <laughs> she's not going in either of those directions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh she she also says um this relation dateship thing and like throughout this this talk with Tom, she's so hella awkward. <laughs> but also being so mature and articulate about you know what she's been feeling and i just love it it it's perfect yeah go daria <laughs> seriously this is a good episode for her it's a tough episode for her but it's a good episode yeah absolutely so like yeah again the tom defender has logged on um <laughs> i don't think it's unfair for Tom to have assumed that Dario wouldn't go for the normal anniversary-related stuff. That said, again, it manifests in an enormously dickish way. Uh, and also, like, I really have a problem with his framing of the end of his relationship with Jane. Like this, I only did romantic things to hide the fact that I didn't feel romantic. Like, that's an extremely skeevy thing to say. Even and like, even though, you know, I'm sure that anybody who has been in a relationship that is circling the drain can relate to that concept, but there's there's just something about articulating it <laughs> in that fashion and just, yeah. I don't know, there's yeah. just, there's, it's gross. It is. I mean, I it's problematic. Like, I can see... I can see where he's coming from. Like, on the one hand, I think that it shows a lot of self-awareness, you know, Mm -hmm. being able to articulate that. Um, He's definitely reflected on his relationship with Jane and, and on his actions. Um, But on the other hand, the comment is working to set Daria's expectations pretty low. Um, Like, Oh, Tom just wants to sit on the couch with me. Thank goodness we're not going out to a restaurant. That would mean he's losing interest. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Damn, what a what a racket. (laughs) So so it's it's really kind of calculating 
in a way. I don't know. Maybe I'm giving him too much credit. Um, yeah, I feel, but, I feel like that's. But that's, it does. You know, it does set the bar low. Absolutely. Um, and uh, whether he means to or not. Um, so so yeah. Um, but then he does say, like, now that I know these things are important to you, we'll celebrate. And I think that saves him. Like, I don't like him much, but it is the <laughs> fair thing to do in a relationship. Yeah. It's, it's good to hear. It's good to see that on TV, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it's um, – and that, you know, that moment is, I think, when I think of Tom, like – I think of a, you know, the back and forth that he has with Daria, just in terms of like them being able to trade jokes. Um, but also, I think of of that level headedness of that, like, all right, yeah, cool. If that's what you want to do, then we'll do that. You yeah, um, yeah. Level headed is a is a good way to describe the way he interacts, like in relationships. I think. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I mean, I I I cut him down a lot. I know. <laughs> <laughs> what? But I do have to. I I have to give him credit for it. For, for you know those moments of of being direct and respectful. Sometimes. Yeah. So <laughs> now and then. Yeah. Over in Helen and Jake's bedroom, he awakes from a nightmare to find Helen doing some work. They get to talking about his recent failure at Buzz Dome, and Helen points out that it doesn't matter. He's still the kind, good-hearted guy she married, and that's more than enough. Down in the living room, Tom and Daria toast to their non-anniversary while digging into Quinn's stash of gifted candy. After all, celebrating their anniversary was her idea. And so we roll credits with Makes No Difference by Sum 41. Uh, not a whole lot to say about the, this last bit here, though I will say uh, at the end of Helen and Jake's scene, she reaches into the nightstand to pull out uh, the candle that Jake made her years ago. And one, it's a really nice touch. And two, Jake recoiling from it in horror is amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's just, it works on so many levels. Like, <laughs> I, I think like... What are what are what's the random shit that I have in my nightstand that could just like completely freak someone out? <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, but also, um, I love that Helen is finally able to do some work because she has Jake to ignore. <laughs> <laughs> it's beautiful, like it's so sweet. <laughs> yeah. So we we glossed over it, but earlier in the episode, she said she, she was like she was laying in bed alone, trying to like she was fiddling with some paperwork. And Daria said, "Hey, I don't want to interrupt you." And she said, "Well, I can't really work all that much when your dad when your dad's not here next to me snoring." Um, <laughs> and then we see it in action later, and it is yeah. it's adorable. It is really really sweet. I love it. Uh, I think my nightstand has two hockey pucks and a Game Boy Color. <laughs> I think I haven't opened it in a very long time. My nightstand has has quite a few drawers. Um, well, no, two very large drawers and like a shelf thingy on it. Ooh. And uh, and I it it in one of the drawers <laughs> there is a um, one of those baby sound machines that I Aww. just like absolutely regret purchasing. <laughs> <laughs> And I, and I was just so happy the day that I unplugged it from the wall. And <laughs> <laughs> I should I should just throw it in the trash, but for some reason, like 
I feel like I look at it and I'm like, I conquered you. (laughs) (laughs) You keep it around only to express your dominance. It's fantastic. (laughs) To look at it every now and then and go, yeah, I beat you. (laughs) Uh Yeah. I mean, mean, whatever it takes, man. (laughs) No, hey, you know what? I hear you. (laughs) Framed like that, totally get it. Yeah. Uh, all right. So I think, you know, like I mentioned, we're kind of skipping over cultural context because we tried to sprinkle it in a little bit. Just a lot of stuff about the dot coms and that, you know, late 90s, early 2000s um, being on or around the internet. Uh, so I think we will roll straight into the episode ranking. All right. Um, All right. Yeah. So. So. Ah. <laughs> uh, mm. Yeah. So I whenever. Know. Yeah. <laughs> this, is, this is a tough one because I got to say I look we we discuss the things that we don't like about Tom's behavior, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that's not really anything necessarily new, but that doesn't excuse it. We also we also noted that we understand his frustration. <laughs> Well, yeah. I mean, the thing is, is that it's not like one of those things where I want to dock the episode points because of Tom. I I think like Tom is being Tom, like, like Bernstein's got his character down. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Um, You know, and, and Daria fights back, you know, she always has comebacks for, you know, the shitty things he says. So so like I'm not I'm not thinking that that is um you know it, it, it bumps it down in the rankings right. So I I mentioned Tom only because I'm trying to think of anything else I don't like about this episode, and I'm kind of coming up blank. <laughs> Actually, I think the look the the conflict is we we talked about how the conflict is a little bit weak. Because it comes down to Daria just not communicating, but also like we we get a character reason for Daria not communicating. Like there is a, there is a perfectly understandable in universe explanation for why Daria would feel reluctant to you know discuss this particular problem with Tom, mm-hmm. um, and her handling of it is is you know it, it's a little tough to watch, but it's not tough to watch because it's poorly written it's it's tough to watch because you hate seeing a character struggle right um so i you know i think about that i think about uh how damn quotable this episode is like how well it flows um there's i don't i don't know it's you know i'm not saying it's a top 10 but i don't know how far outside of that it falls oh dear yeah i i don't know like i'm not sure it's necessarily a top 10, but like, what is it comparable to? I mean, like, that's what we usually go back to, right. you know, when we're trying to place these. Um, I mean, my, my eye goes to the misery check. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Cause again, we're, we're talking about vulnerability, um, you know, fear, love, shame, identity. And, uh, you know, we, we had that in, well, not all of that, but we had a fair amount of that in the misery chick that was Daria grappling with her perception of herself and how others perceive her. Um, you know, this time it's much more internalized. It's much more how does she perceive herself? <laughs> um, and, and how does she 
manage her own expectations for how she's supposed to act and how a relationship's supposed to be. Um, but you know, that's, that's what kind of where my eye went, you know, and I was thinking like, is this episode better than the misery chick? I don't really know, but is it all that much worse than the misery chick? I don't, I don't think it is. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, and then I'm looking above the misery chick and lost girls is there. Um, which was a very good episode. Yes. Um, oh, geez. <laughs> this, this is getting hard. <laughs> this is getting very difficult. I don't know. I feel like, um, I feel like we're better at it than we were before. It's just that now that there are so many more episodes, <laughs> it's, you know, I think if we were, if we, if we were right now as bad as we were in the beginning, at episode rankings, this would be a disaster. <laughs> uh-huh. So then, um... I I cannot, in good conscience, put this above the misery chick. Mm-hmm. I just can't. I feel like that episode, you know, it hits that like it's such a pinnacle of early Daria. Um, it's like, yeah, it's very like quintessential, like getting to the heart of Daria. Right. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, and I think, you know, the the conflict of like, how do others see me versus how do I see myself is much more central to kind of like the Daria, you know, capital D, it's all capital D Daria, but like capital D Daria <laughs> as in, you know, the show, like, I think that's much truer to the point of the show in general. Uh-huh. Um but I would say, like, I don't know. Do we put this above? Is it fall yet? Is this the misery chick, and then sappy anniversary, and then is it fall yet? Uh, I'm okay with that, actually. All right. I think so. I think I'm okay with that too. Like, you know, I, again, there's. I think I, it's a, a solid episode. Um, yeah. Is it fall yet? Was. It was amazing that you know they they managed a feature length Daria, you know. Yes, yeah, <laughs> uh, and that you know that thing you know, sitting at, at at I mean it's number fourteen right now. It's almost certainly going to be number fifteen in the next couple minutes. Um, but like the there were issues with that mm-hmm. episode. Well, th- there were issues with that movie. <laughs> um, and episode movie, yeah, uh, and and I think. You know, look, we can't. There are only so many points you can give for the difficulty and ambition <laughs> involved in creating a movie. Uh, and when I think of "Is It Fall Yet?" as a whole, I think there are some seriously difficult elements in there to to you know give credit to. Like you have obviously the entire arc with Jane is enormously problematic. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, Tom, not necessarily a great guy either, <laughs> mm. <laughs> which we've we've come to expect at this point, but still. Um, so there's just, a, there's a lot there that I think it makes sense to put it under this episode. I'm okay with this. All right. So I'm yeah. going to enter it into the episode rankings. I think that was a pretty painless. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was pretty painless. All right. So. Number 14, Sappy, the Sappy Anniversary, Season 5, Episode 2. 
Uh, it sits right below the misery chick, right above. Is it fall yet? I feel really, really good about that. Aw, good. Yay. Good way to, you know, end a night. <laughs> <laughs> when I opened it, when I opened this episode by saying that I really, really enjoyed this episode, were you worried that I was about to be like, no, this is? <laughs> I was totally like, oh my god, I'm gonna have to like fight it out of the top ten. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. Meanwhile, the only time you've ever gone into the episode ranks with conviction was to make sure that Dario was dead last. <laughs> you know, I have standards. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you, know what, you know what I appreciate about that was I said you will, <laughs> you went in to make sure that Dario was dead last. And you were like, yes, because I am a thinking human being. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> I'm oh, not Christ. a singing human being. No. I'm a thinking human being. Oh, Christ. <laughs> I would have put it a little bit higher. That's all I'm saying. You know, it, it's it, it's it's <laughs> funny, particularly because like I did theater in high school. <laughs> like, yeah, I was like you. You. Oh, I was totally a theater kid. You're totally and, a theater kid. Yeah, and and I'm just like mm, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> Not on screen, your palette thank now. you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Christ. All right. So we have some, uh, we actually got some fan mail Ooh. Uh, to dig into. Uh, just a, yeah, a quick little thing. Uh, so I'm going to go ahead and hit our interstitial music that I keep forgetting we can actually do. Here we go. Ooh. Uh, so this is a bit of a blast from the past. Uh, in Pierce Me, we expressed wonderment at the bar that Mystic Spiral was playing in. I think you remember it was this like dive bar that mm-hmm. allowed like nothing but high schoolers to to just <laughs> hang out. Um, so we actually ended up hearing from friend of the show, Lulu Van Hoagland, uh, about a real bar not too dissimilar from that. I've been binging your content. Hey, awesome. Yeah. <laughs> It's it's still bizarre to like see a phrase like that. Anyway, totally is, yeah. <laughs> um, in the piercing episode, you bring up some confusion about the bar slash hall Trent plays in. I don't know about other places, but as a 14-year-old, I went to a place just like it in Red Hook called the Third Rail. Maybe it's a little odd, but they did let minors in to watch the bands play. Heck, minors were in some of the bands. <laughs> I know it's an old episode, so it doesn't matter. Yes, it does. <laughs> <laughs> but it brought up some memories from my teen years. And you know what, Lulu? That's what this is all about. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say, if it's an old episode, so it doesn't matter, it was if that was, if that held true, I, I don't think I <laughs> don't think Morgandorks Morgandorks. exists. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, it, that's it's so cool and it's so like completely foreign to my experience uh as a teenager. Uh, I, don't, I don't know. It's really neat just even thinking of something like that existing, knowing that it's out there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, I mean, I think that I, I always think of the place that they go to in Buffy. Um, <laughs> the Bronze, yes, yeah, the Bronze. I, I, when when I think of the um, the bar that they're letting teenagers into, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, but I mean. Like usually it's if they're accompanied by someone who is older, at least that used to be the case, but no. 
I'll just point out that it was not Rob, it was Nissa who brought Buffy into this episode of Morgan Dorks. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> uh, We're not going to talk any more about Buffy right now because- Oh, uh, yeah. There, oh, that's man. Yeah. There, there's a whole discussion to be had around around all that just god-awful bullshit. Um, but, yeah. Uh, I mean, okay. I'm not going to get into it. <laughs> <laughs> believe believe victims that's that's yeah you know, that's pretty much all that needs to be said i Absolutely. don't know like it yeah it fucking sucks um anyway mm-hmm. <laughs> not, not, <laughs> let, let the just the sadness descend yeah um <laughs> but thank you lulu for writing in yeah thank you so much lulu and by the way uh go you can this lulu mentioned this in a tweet to us so you can go and totally check out uh where where she mentioned it uh and then you can check out her profile and then you can go check out uh i believe it's her etsy shop uh, I think it's Etsy, but either way, she makes these really awesome pins and I'm totally thinking about picking up a few. <laughs> They're really cool looking. Yeah. Uh, totally worth checking out. Um, so yeah, thank you so much, Lulu. We really appreciate it. Uh, and I think with that, we have one more interstitial and, and then we're heading out. <laughs> it always, you, it makes me giggle now <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that we have, not that I don't giggle all the time anyway, but yeah. I'm now, now I'm playing it in the middle of us talking. Who cares? Yeah, because we can do that. Yeah, it's nuts. Uh, all right. That about wraps it up. Oh, my God. Up. I just looked at Lulu's art. I love it. Right? It's yes. crazy. <laughs> uh, go pick up some stuff from Lulu. <laughs> uh, that about wraps it up for this episode of Morgan Dorks. Uh, check out our Patreon. You can sign up at patreon.com slash morgandorks for a buck a month. You can support our silly little mission and listen to an unedited version of each podcast a few days before it airs. Uh, as always, please feel free to reach out to us on Twitter at morgandorks. Email us at morgandorks at gmail.com or check out our website, anchor.fm slash morgandorks. Uh, we're also on Facebook. You can just search for morgandorks. We're the only thing called morgandorks. Uh, special thanks, as always, to Outpost Daria Reborn. Link is in the show notes. And as always, thank you, Nissa. Hey, Rob. Thank you. Hey. And thank you, listeners. We will see you again in two weeks for season five, episode three, Fat Like Me. Oh, uh, boy. Yeah. Here on Morgan Dorks. <laughs> <laughs>